Oh, it is strong though. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, so we're coming in after our discussion. Oh. You may hear some clinking of ice cubes <laughs> because this is cold pizza party after dark. <laughs> <laughs> it's like eleven thirty. We're we're having a little mm-hmm. uh, drink as we end our weekend here. Uh, but Adam was telling me about one part of the article that we didn't talk about. Mm-hmm. And so we thought it'd be a good idea for him to well, save you, it for the cast. So she talks about baby boomers specifically towards the beginning when she's kind of defining this paranoid mindset or method is a better word for it. Um, because she brings up that popular maxim of the 1960s as she puts it. I didn't realize the saying was so old. Just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're not out to get you. Mm. I thought that was just like something they put on Hot Topic (laughs) t-shirts. I didn't know anybody actually said that. Uh, But also Kissinger said, we love talking about Kissinger on this podcast. We cannot get away (laughs) from talking about Kissinger. He said, even a paranoid can have enemies. Um, Yeah. So Eve Sedgwick says, it seems quite plausible that some version of this axiom is indelibly inscribed in the brains of baby boomers. As if it's fiercely self-evident that you can never be paranoid enough. Yeah. Right? That you can always understand things better by being more paranoid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was in high school, um, my teacher, my like AP Gov teacher or something like that, had us go home and talk to our parents about what it was like, uh, what America was like before Nixon and after Nixon. Like Watergate. Okay. And... My dad said that to him, it seemed like Americans finally grew up. Oh, right. Because your dad's from Yugoslavia. Yeah. And he was like, before that, it was like they were just like children who thought the government was like their parents that can do like nothing wrong. Wow. And then after that, it was like, you know, it's like when you become an adult and you realize your parents are just people too. You know, they fuck up and they're just doing their best Mm -hmm. or whatever, you know, but it's like, it just... It changes your view, obviously, of them, and in this case, of the government. Um, And I think a lot of people became completely disillusioned as a result. Mm -hmm. So the way that your dad put it is a reasonable conclusion to draw. Her point here, Eve Sedgwick, is that they they don't really see it in that reasonable way. Yeah. Like, the, the reasonable thing is, like your dad said, they realized the government's not your parent. The unreasonable thing is to hold on to that notion that they're your parent and just now you have to see them as like hold on to the notion that they're all powerful yeah and now you have to see them as corrupt yeah well that actually makes me think and we're taking this parent metaphor all the way baby okay this makes me think of um coraline so Mm. it's almost like it's not just uh the government isn't your parent or the government is your parent but they're like a bad fucked up or just a regular normal person or whatever you know it's more like um, there's, like, your other mother. You know what I mean? Oh, sure. Like, your mother yeah. who looks like your regular mother, but is actually... Is that what happens, Coraline? Yeah. Yeah, she, like... It's a very fairy tale thing, though. <clears throat> like, yeah. you have a stepmom in charge of you. Yeah, it's... There's... She, like, goes through, like... It's not the looking glass, but it might as well be the looking glass. Mm-hmm. Into another world. And she's, like... This woman's, like, I'm your other mother. And then mm-hmm. she acts like Coraline's mother except she like never like disciplines Coraline or anything like that and so Coraline likes her more and then she's like you should stay with me here forever you know right, and then yeah. and then she wants to sew buttons into Coraline's eyeballs right right <laughs> oh that's so good 
That's a really that's good, good one. Movie. Anyway, that's what that reminds me but of. But the it's... other parent here, aliens. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, yeah. Yeah. It's like... Literally parent. Like, they created us. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Well, the so the quote from Eve Sedgwick a bit later on, she points out, there's no reason to conclude that, let's say... It's it, Let's say it's true. Just because you're being paranoid, maybe they're still out to get you. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, that's irrefutable. Or Kissinger, you know, you're paranoid, but maybe you really do have enemies. But if you want to... You, you don't have to conclude from that that it's always better to be as paranoid as possible. Yeah. It's always better to, like, look for the secret meaning underneath of everything, right? Yeah. That will open up some new, I don't know, world of knowledge to you that will fix your problems. Uh, instead you could conclude being paranoid is not an effective way to get rid of your enemies yeah for example or you could uh instead of deciding you can never be paranoid enough you could say just because you have enemies doesn't mean you have to be paranoid and i think that's where we get frustrated with um conspiracy theories because you know like i mentioned we like people who believe conspiracy theories like we feel like we can have better discussions about politics and the way things should be often with those people rather than mainstream normie chads and stacy's or whatever <laughs> who... <laughs> we're about to get some pepes who uh listening. just like haven't gotten past that i don't know pre-edipal stage of challenging the government yeah like people who don't know or don't understand that like obama has a kill list yeah or don't believe that the government doesn't care about your life right yeah at least conspiracy theorists know the government doesn't care about you yeah like they care more about themselves and power and power right yeah but instead of i don't know instead of like dealing with that reality they find some other way to like regress into this fantasy either this this fantasy of aliens or whatever or the illuminati or reptile people or um you know there's a reptile race living underground and they're like ready to to come up and take over and actually they're the original inhabitants of the earth and yeah. we're like this this plague this contagion that took it over from some other aliens that are bad aliens <laughs> um instead of believing that stuff you could just deal with reality and realize that the people in charge don't know what's best yeah and if you want to fix things like you have to do something there's no secret knowledge that you can uncover that will yeah you know transcend your consciousness and release you into this yeah new space but we already talked about that. Yeah. So you want to tell me about baby boomers, right? This was about baby boomers. Yeah. Like, I started off, she said... Um, oh, that's right. That's right. right. Okay. It seems qu- quite plausible that some version of this idea that you can never be paranoid enough is, like, inscribed in the baby boomer consciousness. Do you think that's true? Uh, Yeah. Because, like, I think that they lived through a number of things that I, just every time they were paranoid, they weren't paranoid enough. I mean, we talked about... Watergate, but you know, you can kind of look back and like look at the Vietnam War and the Pentagon Papers basically talking about how there was a real life conspiracy to keep the Vietnam War going, even Mm -hmm. though every president knew it was bad and they were losing and they were sending people over to die for no reason because no one wanted that legacy of being the first president to lose a war or give up an And the government does create like false flags and false protest movements and they infiltrate protest movements. All around the world. The Italian government was working with fascists to do false flags. Yeah. 
Yeah, so they have a lot of stuff happening in their lives, you know, early lives um, to lead them to believe that. Just like, you know, I think a lot of like millennials now are skeptical of the government and maybe just power in general because of like, I think 9-11 in no small part. I mean, and then the Iraq war and, you know. Sort of all of the things that we've uncovered since then now, like, you know, even NSA spying on us. But before that, even like warrantless wiretaps by the Bush administration. I mean, it is like we've had evidence to kind of show us like your paranoia is warranted. And every time you're paranoid, you're not really even being paranoid enough. Like we killed Osama bin Laden and everyone was like, yay. Then when we find out from, you know, Seymour Hirsch, the story they told you is uttered bullshit. And nobody wants to believe it. Yeah, but then slowly, slowly, people independently verify many different mm. points of his story. I mean, I was inclined to believe him anyway, but then people like the courier, whatever, we don't need to get into details. But we were inclined to believe him because it made more sense, right? Yeah. When they killed Bin Laden, they were like, oh, we forgot to take pictures. Yeah. Like, oh, we threw his body in the ocean. But all, And also classical propaganda stuff oh, like totally. he hid behind his wife he's yeah. a coward uh there he was had pornography porn. he's yes. a hypocrite yes yeah. absolutely my mom i remember right after it happened saying to me they don't have his body yeah that's so weird and i was like well, no well they said they threw it um into the ocean because they don't want a place where he'll be like venerated or martyr or whatever and she's like no, that doesn't make sense, yeah. you know? Yeah. And then it turns out, no, they actually blew up his body because they were planning on saying he died in a drone strike yeah. in the Kush Mountains or whatever of Afghanistan, yeah. right? So that they could protect the Kush their region. Yeah. Pakistani sources who told them. Right. And then all of a sudden they declared, oh, we don't care about our Pakistani sources. Yeah. And, yeah. So every time we're paranoid, we're not paranoid enough, yeah. you know? So I do think, like, there is a reason why this happens but again this goes back to what we were saying before which is just that the truth is you can't trust the government at all even when you're like involved in their secret schemes there's this uh his name's like ahmed chalabi is that right he was a lebanese guy who got kicked out of lebanon or jordan where he was living because he started this bank that was embezzling money he stole millions so like he had all these connections to rich people so like some rich prince drove him out in the trunk and then he like went to oxford and stuff And then he started, like, this Iraqi National Congress of expats from Iraq who were, like, agitating for regime change Mm. in the 90s. So when people in the American government and close to the American government decided, we want to, like, topple Saddam, this guy was ready. Like, he was there with a little organization. And uh, he, like, made connections to people at Brookings and stuff like that who could write white papers about how easy it would be to overthrow the government and he spent a lot of money like lobbying politicians to overthrow Saddam. And they studied um, like Israel so they could know um, how to like convince the government. They modeled themselves after APAC yeah. so they could figure out how to convince the American government to support them the way America supported Israel. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so when um, finally Bush does go in and overthrows Saddam, he's like, great, like now I'm going to be in the government. But no, he wasn't. Yeah. The government didn't even, our government didn't even like support him enough to give him a seat. Wow. Yeah. Like even when you are pulling the shadowy levers that, you know, as people who pay attention enough, we know actually do exist. Yeah. There's not this like, it's not a real conspiracy, you know? Yeah. Well, because there's so many moving parts and people vying for power and so many different interests involved that it's impossible for, I, th- I mean, I think 
people do manage to control the way some things happen and yeah. turn out and whatever. But at the same time, it's very it's a very difficult thing to do. It's much yeah. more difficult than people I think imagine. Yeah. Because at- they're really even when you the best laid plans, as they say, you know, even when you have like this, a lot of success in accomplishing your agenda, you can't control like the fact that, you know, Lockheed Martin also wants a say mm-hmm. in what happens in, you know, Iraq and stuff like that. And yeah. They are also very powerful. And when you destabilize a government, you're not the only person who's going to want to, like, have a say in how things work out next. You know, there's a lot of competing interests there that you can't control. Yeah. But there is truth to, like, a lot of this. Um, One other thing about two other things about Chalabi. I'm probably saying his forgetting his name. Chobani. But that's the yogurt. Mm -hmm. Uh, I should look it up, but um, fuck it. (laughs) Um, He doesn't deserve respect, obviously, so Mm -hmm. fuck it. But um, they, his group was behind a lot of the false information that Saddam, like, there was some, like, nuclear scientist who said, oh, I worked with Saddam, I knew where the nuclear weapons were. They, like, pushed that guy into the media. They, the guy, like, Screwball or Curveball, who gave intelligence to the American government Mm -hmm. that was false, like, INC directed them to him. Okay. The Iraqi National Congress that he set up. And then um, when that stuff came out to be false, the government just said, like, oh, like we got it from this guy. Fuck that guy. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and didn't support him when yeah. it was time for him to get in government. So he ended up saying shit. Like, he, I think he ended up working with Iran, basically, because he was pissed at the Americans. He, at one point, when he realized he wasn't going to be in the government, just, like, tried to torpedo the whole thing in America's success. He is one of the guys who, as a Shia, was, like, um, he pushed for debathification, which mm. took all the Sunnis out of yeah. government. He, um, when he did get some measure of power in like a little region, was imprisoning Sunnis and stuff. So like this one guy, like yeah. you're saying, is behind like the Iraqi invasion and then how it went bad afterwards. Yeah, like he had a huge role to play in it, yeah. but it was just like one guy's impact. It and wasn't he still like couldn't a, control everything. No, it didn't go according to plan at yeah. all. Yeah. So like I don't know, it's interesting. Like, you have to pay attention to things like this, but um, there's no real conspiracy. And another thing that's conspiracy-like about it is his daughter now is, like, this huge arts philanthropist. So all the famous artists and rich people, like, go to her parties and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So this, like, Illuminati stuff, there's a lot of truth to it. But, like, it's not that you're not being paranoid enough that you don't understand it. It doesn't really matter. You don't have to know who these people are yeah. to know the Iraq war is wrong. We shouldn't be doing that. Exactly, yeah. But to know that, like, rich people live in a world separate from you, that you have no clue what's going on. Yeah, and yeah. no access to. No, no access to the levers of power yeah. or anything. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if, like, young people... Oh, to, to get back to talking about young people, you mentioned growing up with 9-11 and stuff. I wonder if young people now are getting as interested in conspiracy theories as, like, boomers did, you know, more so than Gen Xers and stuff? I, I mean, I think so. Yeah, I mean, there's all there's this, like... chemtrails yeah, and flat, flat earth. earth, yeah. Yeah, famous baseball players and Kardashians being interested in both. Yeah. You know? Did I say baseball? Nobody cares about baseball players, Basketball. Right? Basketball. Um, well, Eve Sedgwick in her article was talking about... Because, like I said, she's really interested in critiquing critical theory through this lens of paranoid reading. And she says, like, um, in the university, she runs into all these experts in theory who can tell you, like, um, all their critiques of the modern liberal subject. You know, how, like, 
actually being liberal and democratic, like there's all this violence that underlies it and stuff, right? Mm -hmm. That props it up through capitalism or through colonialism, which is obviously all true and whatnot. But um, she says, where are these supposed modern liberal subjects? I daily encounter gra uh, graduate students, this is 2004 or so, who are dab hands at unveiling the hidden historical violences that underlie a secular universalist liberal humanism, right? Mm -hmm. You and I are interested in topics like that. And, but Sedgwick says, yet these students' sentient years, unlike the formative years of their teachers, uh, have been spent entirely in a xenophobic Reagan-Bush-Clinton-Bush America, where liberal is, if anything, a taboo category, and where secular humanism is routinely treated as a marginal religious sect, while a vast majority of the population claims to believe in angels and direct intercourse with God and Satan. Yeah. And even Scalia believes that the devil walks the earth. Yeah, yeah. Right? So what's the point of this paranoid critique when... Instead, you could be agitating for, you know, change. Totally. Okay. I agree. Okay. I've, <laughs> yeah. We got to come up with topics we can talk about where we disagree sometimes. Yeah, like, yeah. Like we're saying mm. how conspiracy theorists, they don't, somehow like they can't place themselves, they can't understand the human reality of what it would be like to be in power in this theoretical conspiracy and how it just doesn't make sense. Mm. And I think Chris, uh, so especially like evangelical Christians, when somebody's doing something like when Muslims are, they a lot of them think that Muslims actually worship Satan because Allah, they say, is a moon god and <laughs> Satan is a moon god. So they actually worship Satan instead of just thinking like these are different people in a different part of the world who mm -hmm. are doing and want different things. They can't empathize with it enough to or understand it in the real way. Or maybe even just came to the same truth as us in a different way. Like, they believe there's one God. Oh, God. They, they have been talking God. about that constantly on AFR and how preposterous that is. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. They, because they're, they're mostly, con this is similar to conspiracy theorists. The super intense people on AFR, the evangelicals, are mostly concerned with policing other Christians. Yeah. So, especially this new woman who has the uh, primetime-ish spot, Janet Medford. Oh, yeah, Janet yeah. Medford Live has been really focusing on policing like what is and isn't Christian and how that sort of sense that, well, they're all, you know, all these religions are arriving at the same thing, whatever, how wrong that is. Mm. Yeah. And like they constantly use the phrase Bible believing church. If you go to the right, you have to go to a Bible believing church. It's wow. not enough to go to church every week. You have to go to a Bible-believing church. Oh, man. And what is so. a Bible-believing church? Who, who says? Well, Presumably say, all churches are, yeah. I, I don't know how they, like, I don't understand this thought, even, this, like, train of thought. Well, they're very upset about... What what would you... What, I want to call in and say, like, my pastor, I love my pastor or whatever, like, but there's this one thing they disagree with you on, on AFR. How can I tell who's right, right? My pastor <laughs> on AFR. Like, you guys agree on 95% of things, but yeah. this one thing. Yeah. Just, how do I know what's right? Yeah. I don't think they would have an answer. Uh, what? Yeah, how could they? Yeah. Yeah. I've heard this before, although I didn't know it was, like, becoming a trend. But I did hear someone one time on AFR ranting about how people who, like like, believe in God and consider themselves Christian, but sort of just christian and think it's enough to just you know believe in god and maybe pray once in a while but not even like okay. regularly or anything like that uh as opposed to what as opposed to like 
knowing that Jesus died for our sins, believing that Jesus is the way and the path to mm. forgiveness, um, that you have to like have a personal relationship with God. You need okay. to go to church every day or whatever, every Sunday okay. at least. So what about these wrong Christians? Uh, that that's just not Christianity. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, well, so I think that's interesting because I think they're like, we're a Christian nation, right? They talk oh, about that yeah. a lot. But the Christian, the people who identify as Christian yeah, across America Christian. are much more likely to be those kind of like lack, lackadaisical yeah. Christians, you know, yeah. than people who subscribe to AFR's personal view of what a Christian is, yeah, you know? Geez. So I think that's like really interesting. But I think it's all those, it's interesting that we have those lackadaisical Christians because I think that is also like, I don't know, we were talking about like baby boomers and being like, more likely to be new agey or to like be spiritual but not necessarily committed to one religion and i, I wonder but still if maybe, to have a lot of ideas yeah about I wonder, past lives or whatever i wonder though if some of that um has to do with liking the ideas of being religious and maybe having grown up being indoctrinated in the church and believing that like you should have faith in spite of obstacles to that faith but also having lived through, like, the Catholic Church scandal, you know, and stuff like that. And realizing that, like, and, and having that instinct to be paranoid. So they're paranoid about the church as an organization, but they also have been indoctrinated to believe that it is good to have faith in something that you can't see or whatever. So they're, like, finding a way to be religious and have faith without you know, yeah, yeah. the the human organization behind it, the organized church. Right. Well, I was going to point out another. So let's let's take what Sedgwick said about baby boomers, you know, as a given or whatever, that like they do have this paranoid method inscribed like in their DNA. Well, that would kind of explain that. I was going to say that uh, those evangelicals, like the way you're describing what, what has you saved is to know and believe the right things. Mm-hmm. That, to me, has always irritated me and rubbed me the wrong way as somebody who grew up Catholic because in Catholicism, you have to do the right things. Mm-hmm. In evangelical tradition, you just have to know the right things, right? Which is like a conspiracy theory. It's this faith in the mm-hmm. disclosure of knowledge and the efficacy of knowledge. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's the same thing with the New Age people because, you know, let's say they have the same paranoid mind, or mindset inscribed yeah. in them. Like, I, I know my past lives and I recognize my past lives. That's like their corruption of buddhism and stuff it's like i can reach nirvana if i understand spirituality correctly i don't have to do anything else (laughs) right i don't have to do anything else that buddhism requires they love like the consciousness as a word yeah a lot of these ancient alien theorists do too yeah oh yeah achieving consciousness yeah yeah they say that in a way that it i don't know what they think it means they just say it as a goal like the aliens are here to help us magical powers yeah yeah like telekinesis and stuff yeah, like that. Probably, like, yeah. It is. I think sometimes a lot of people tie that right up with the idea of like, we only use 5% of our brain, you know? <laughs> right, yeah. One more thing about Christianity here. I mentioned it to you offhand like earlier this week, but I was reading these Baffler articles that this guy Dave Dennison wrote about evangelicals and uh, Machiavelli, mm-hmm. right? Um, because he wanted to answer the question of like, how can evangelicals support Trump when he's clearly not an evangelical? Mm-hmm. The answer you mostly get from people is like, maybe he's not a Christian, but he's doing God's work. Oh, okay. Which is 
Um, I thought it was going to be something like, I know his heart. <laughs> Some of them say stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Or they'll say, well, like the real answer that he outlines is like a lot of these like prosperity gospel preachers in Florida, there's one or two in particular were early supporters of Trump. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're like following the lead of other evangelical pastors totally. who admired, like they admired Donald Trump's wealth. Yeah. Instead of these evangelical yeah. people. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I read this like a week and a half ago, so I don't remember the whole argument, but a big part of it is, uh, um, he says that Nietzsche says this thing about Christianity, that Christianity is the religion, religion of revenge. Mm-hmm. So, he says, like, that might seem like an odd claim because you read the Sermon on the Mount and it's nothing but humility and meekness and turning the other cheek and whatever. But really, because of all the ways in which Christians forbear acquisition, right, like they put off um, being happy in this life mm-hmm. um, for the next life, what underlies all this Christianity is like the unspeakable delight of the afterworld and the unspeakable punishment of the afterworld for their enemies. Mm. So that's why it's the ultimate religion of revenge. Right. Because it's this, like, secret that yeah. your enemies will be punished and you will be rewarded. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Probably why Gen Xers are the worst, too. Like, the most cynical. Yeah. Because they grew up in a world where everything was fine. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, oh, the economy is good. Oh, now it's better. Yeah. <laughs> like... Oh, our enemy, Russia, is, like, dissolving. Yeah. And we don't even have to do anything. Yeah. Well, we're just the best. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Can't trust Gen Xers. That's my motto. That's always been my yeah. strongest held belief. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So yeah. we'll cut it here, and hopefully this was also helpful as, like, a little appendix or something to yeah. our Or, I mean, you know, our real goal is that this is, like, a good way for you to pass some time while you're doing the dishes or driving or whatever. Working that's what out. we do. Working yeah. out. That's how we use podcasts, so. Yeah, or if you're just like, man, I wish I could talk to someone about how crazy this ancient aliens show is. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Send us your conspiracy theories. Yeah. All right. Cool. Peace. Thank you. Peace. Peace. <laughs>